You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Lead On Podcasts, where we're going to be learning lessons from military leaders. I'm David Deary, the president of the Listed Leadership Foundation. We're a nonprofit that we are building America's leaders, and we're doing it all over the world. With me today is one of the board members. In fact, she's one of the founding board members with me, a former shipmate from back on my USS Peleliu days for all you sailors out there. I have Diane McQueen Gibson. Diane, good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. How are I'm you well. doing? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to be here today. Thank you for what you do for the enlisted military service member and just uh, what you did for 30 years in the service. I, I'm, I'm excited for the next few minutes for people to get to know who Diane is and some of the uh, leadership accomplishments that you had over those 30 years. But before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of it, I, I like to start things off with just a softball question. Not that you're going to get a hard <laughs> question after this one. Just just something to just kind of break the ice. So, um, you know, we, we've all given and have received leadership advice uh, our whole life. And uh, so I'm just curious, what's what is the worst piece of leadership advice that someone ever gave you? Hmm, that's a good question. I um, I think that you know you could take it the you know you take leadership advice many ways, and I think one of them I received was treat everyone equally. And on the surface, that sounds like that's good advice. You know, you should treat everyone equally. But um, coupled with with another piece of advice, which was great advice, was you can't always be the hammer. So if you imagine, say, 10 nails, you know, and you're nailing them into the wall and uh, some of them, you know, go straight in with one or two knocks and one or two of them bend. And so I kind of see that as as a human, you know, um, the point is to see that as a human, that the human sometimes you give them the advice, you tell them where they need to go and it, they go straight in and they get it done, fire and forget. And then other times, you know, if you treat everyone the same, you hit too hard, you hit that nail too hard and you bend them. They are not uh, equally um, mentally strong or um, they, you know, for whatever reason, they can't accept the direction the same way. All sailors, all people do not accept advice, direction, guidance the same way. Oh, that is that is fantastic advice. You know, it, it, yeah, you got to lead. It, it's it's going to be challenges when you're we're leading a large group, and I know that you've led uh, hundreds at the same time. So how do you? So how do you hit? Now we're going to deviate just a second based on that. So how do you hit? You know, when you're leading a hundred people, how do you not lead them all the same? Well, I, I you know it's important to treat everyone with respect. You know, so like I said, okay. you have to take that um, that advice, you know, take a step back and think about it for a second. You know, you don't treat everyone the same, but you treat everyone with respect. And and as I said, some some people, some sailors, you tell them what you need at quarters or, you know, at the morning meeting and they got it and they they move forward throughout their day. But then there's others um, that you can see that you're not reaching. You can see it on their face. You can see it in the way they do their job. You can see it how they go about their day. Um, so those are the folks that I kind of seek out. You know, if I'm going, mm. if I'm walking the mess decks during cleaning stations or going through the birthings, I seek out that sailor, you know, and I try to connect. Okay. 
on whatever, wherever they're at. I remember a sailor uh, cleaning the mess deck specifically, very quiet sailor kept to himself. And um, he, he had a, a, a book in his back pocket. So he liked to read. So I can, that's how I connected to him. What are you reading? And so I would make it a point to go to him every once in a while. What are you reading? And he, you know, tell me, and that's kind of how he opened up to me. And so I could feel that that was how you connect to that person, you know, or. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, once you start connecting with people, you build that trust. Once you build that trust, boy, then, then the, the, the influence you can have, um, the positive influence and, and, and the leadership impact. That's, that's fantastic. So, so, you know, tell me about, uh, Diane. So, you, you joined the Navy uh, pretty shortly out of high school, um, in, around the 1980s. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of women joining the military. What what drove you? Do you have a military family? Uh, did your parents serve? What drove you to join the Navy and, and not the Air Force or the Coast Guard? So, um, right, back in the 80s, not a lot of women. I never had a female chief, never in the entire time, except for boot camp. My um, RCPO was a was a, a PRC, female. But okay, so I joined the Navy. Um, first, you know, there's several reasons. And it, you know how it is. It kind of comes to a, um, you know, kind of comes to a head. But I, I uh, one, um, I was in a lot of trouble. I had um, gotten married to um, a person um, who was very abusive to me. Um, physically abusive. Uh, we, he used to choke me until I would pass out. You know, and I get, it got to a point where I knew um, that I was going to, um, one of us was going to die. Um, there was a, we were doing a, a lot of drugs, him specifically. It kind of started out where selling drugs and then, um, you know, once you get involved in drugs and it overtakes you, it takes, a, you know, I feel like um, they take away the human and you become you know, you're, you're not really a person once you're addicted. So he was, um, and I'm not, you know, not trying to give him excuses. He was filthy, but he, um, abused me a lot. And, um, at that point in my life, my brother, my older brother was in the army and, you know, I looked at, I looked at the military as a way to get away as an escape. Um, so, um, you know, I, I was just planning, to escape. I knew he would not allow me to leave, but I was planning escape. I had written a letter to my brother, you know, and I just offhandedly told him I was going to join the Navy. The reason I chose the Navy was because um, my uncle and my dad were sailors, but I'm, you know, like uh, my dad was four years in the Navy. Uh, So um, he found the letter. uh, My husband at the time found the letter and he, you know, of course, you know, part of um, domestic violence is control. And he wanted to control the situation. So uh, he took me to the recruiter's office, um, you know, seeing an opportunity for him to um, have money, more money. Um, He took me to the recruiter's office, um, who was someone he had went to school with. And um, that's how it started. Um, That's how I joined the Navy. But I, uh, the it was wow. Navy over other services was, like I said, because of my dad. I, I, you know, I wanted him to be proud of it, proud of me, as most kids do. But, you know, 18 years old. and So, so how did the Navy change you? Was, it, was there, um, you know, and, and, and 
I don't necessarily, from what you just said, doesn't sound like Diane needed a change. You looked like you were changing. You were getting out of a, an abusive situation. You knew that you couldn't continue that way. Uh, so you joined the military. Um, was, it, was it all it cracked up to be? Why didn't you just do the four years and get out? Uh, what was it about? It, you just got done saying there wasn't a female chief. And for those that aren't familiar, uh, in the military, uh, to make E7 in the Navy, that's called a chief petty officer. And you've been in quite some time. Um, in fact, uh, fewer than 20% ever reached that position in 20 years. So um, so it's even harder for a woman, especially back in the 80s. So what was it that motivated you to want to stick around? Well, um, my family was not close. Um, my mom um, left when I was eight or nine. Uh, and so we, we grew up with my dad. It was my dad and my two brothers, older brothers. And um, we just weren't close. I think my dad was overwhelmed. He's not a bad person. I just think, you know, again, 70s, 80s, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot of men who were single parents. So he was, you know, working every day. And, um, you know, we had a roof over our heads, that kind of thing. But he just wasn't involved in our upbringing. And so I, I think that led to my early marriage and, um, you know, like I said, being in such an abusive relationship. I don't, you know, I'm not holding my parents responsible. They just were not, um, mm -hmm. they just weren't involved. Well, is it, it was, like you said, it was different back then. You know, unlike, unlike today where parents, kids will hold us responsible to a degree. Right. You know, it's like thinking back to what were things like back then. Mm -hmm. And, um. They do the best that they can based on how, and often just like leadership, right? How many leaders, how, how often do we become the leader that, that we were led by, good, bad, mm -hmm. or indifferent? Sometimes as parents, we parent the way we were parented right. without realizing there's another right. way. Right. Or do our best to go the exact opposite way, opposite. you know, and I will not be that parent. So, um, mm -hmm. so I um, think what I was looking for was I was looking for guidance. I was looking for direction. I was looking for a family. Um, mm. and I think, uh, that's, I, I, and I can tell you, I remember specifically in the first four years, my first enlistment, I was saying to myself that I found my family. Yeah. And, and at, uh, what time, what point did that sea bag get left on the pier? Your, your ex-husband. <laughs> and that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Uh, so, uh, again, part of the family, I'm, um, aviation ordinance men and, and we work as a team in just about everything we do. We're a close knit family. Um, we, we, um, that's how we're taught to take care of each other, to do things together. Um, we work as a team. My very first command, um, you know, this the, the abuse was continuing. Uh, he was there. I was in El Centro. And, um, you know, my command found out about it. My second class, uh, my chief found out about it. And uh, they went with me to court um, so that I could get, you know, I was too afraid to get a, a restraining order, you know, because I, I knew what would come next. And, and that was um, more abuse, um, pain. And so they went with me and they made sure I got that restraining order. I can think of a, a AO2, Aviation Ordinance, Ordinance Men's Second Class, who went with me, um, who invited me into his home, his wife. And he invited me into their home with their two children and, you know, kind of mentored me and helped me grow up a little bit, helped me grow up a lot and, you know, showed me, you know, what a you know, people who care about each other, how they should act. Uh, so um, I re <laughs> kind of funny story. Uh, he told me, um, you know, they, they 
the AOs took charge of me. And this AO2, um, my supervisor, he uh, took me out into the desert. And I know that sounds scary, but he took me out into the desert. I know. It's 10 gauge. Okay. So, and he taught me how to shoot his 10 gauge shotgun. And and that is a terrible idea, you know, as a leader. But again, this is in the 80s. (laughs) And And the overarching idea that he was showing me how to protect myself. So, <laughs> so um, you know, they, there was a lot of different ways. As I said, um, that you know, they, he and his wife invited me into their home many times and, uh, you know, just gave me a lot of mentorship and guidance and, and help along my path. So, you know, and, and uh, do you find that, yeah, it's very heavy and very sad and unfortunate and, you know, what you experienced. Um, however, you know, I've known you a lot of years and, and I know that that did not shape you as a victim and, and, and hurt you. You thrived. Um, and, and, and I'll just share people that may not know that at your retirement, you were only the fifth ever uh, female master chief of your rate um, uh, as an aviation ordinanceman. So between over those 30 years, how often did you find that your experiences um, helped you in your leadership and moving up through the ranks as well as helping others? Um, I I think it helped me a lot. I think, um, you know, instead of, um, you know, the things that I've experienced, instead of making me um, more, you know, more fearful or um, keeping to myself, I wanted to get out there and kind of, um, you know, be, have empathy, um, and, and help other, especially other females, um, or, you know, victims of abuse, um, move forward, move ahead, see what they are able to do and, um, what they are able to accomplish. So that's, it's, that's very important to me. And again, um, aviation ordinance, that's very important for me to, to be able to help them move forward to succeed, um, and be happy. So, so how do you help, you know, these aviation ordinance men that you speak of and, and I'm pretty sure you say AO is part of every paragraph. So how are you helping them today? Okay. Um, so for a long time, uh, you know, th- that first command shaped me, um, in a, in a lot of ways, you know, that they looked out for me, you know, not just the chief, um, but the younger AOs, you know, brought me in and made me part of their mm-hmm. family. And so for many, many years, I've been part of the Association of Aviation Ordnance Men. And, um, you know, you would think um, those in the Navy who are familiar with that rate would think, oh, you know, they just go to the bar and drink. But we... <laughs> they don't just. They do more We might that. do some of that. But we just... <laughs> Everything we do here at my local chapter is is in service to the community, is in service to sailors and Marines, is in service to other AOs. And we have a, um, you know, um, Navy-wide, Marine-wide Aviation Ordinance of the Year. Um, and that, you know, that is that um, is selected. I mean, this year we had 64 entries across the Navy Marine Corps. Um, and we got together and it took us about eight hours and we picked out the best one. And that person represents all of us. But I mean, that's a nice feather in somebody's cap to um, add to their package 
um, for maybe chief petty officer or for maybe um, LDO, something like that. And then we we do uh, we own a piece of um, highway here, or we do the adopt a highway with um, the state, where once a month we go and pick up a trash along the um, highway seventy five here in San Diego. Um, and then we, we we do we every year around the holiday time we have um, the holiday hand up which we consider not a handout, but a hand up. So we take names of Navy and Marine Corps aviation ordinance men that are maybe struggling, you know, uh, maybe in the lower ranks, not making a lot of money, uh, have, you know, kids and maybe need a little help. So we end up um, providing them with gift cards um, to help out during Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, with whatever their holiday is. Wow. Yeah, we do that every year. You know, Diane, we're, we're just about out of time, and uh, there's so much more. I'd love to hear your your service stories about the ships you've been on. I'd love to, you know, I'm curious if you ever remarried and, and uh, how that's been. Uh, so we're just going to have to have you back at a okay. later date. Um, but before you go, I do want to ask one final question. Um, so we, we opened with a little kind of fun question. So let's close with something kind of fun. Um, you know, we, we all make leadership decisions and we think at the time that the decision that we're making is the best decision to be made. Uh, but I'm sure there's probably been a time that you you made a pretty bad leadership decision, but it had a lucky outcome um, that you probably learned from. Uh, could you share anything with us before you hmm. leave? OK, um, I can think of on my last ship, Theodore Roosevelt. I can think of um, we were on deployment and. Uh, we uh, there was a um, a chief I can think of who um, he had a very rough exterior. He was, you know, any time you spoke to him, you know, the offensive comments and the offensive, you know, language and, the, you know, you're just like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a mess. What do I do with him? You know, <laughs> but you get to know him a little bit deeper. And there was a, a, a soft, a softer ex- interior where he was very concerned with sailors And um, we had this one division uh, that was kind of a a mismatch, kind of a, you know, lots of lots of personalities, uh, lots of requirements. And, you know, due to, um, you know, some medical problems, we ended up not his, but we put the chief in there and he did amazing things. You know, on on the exterior, you're like, oh, my God, you know, you're kind of covering your eyes. But he really connected with those sailors and they they really um, appreciated him and gained a lot from him. And I just that I didn't think that was going to go well. I thought it was a really bad decision, but I was kind of forced into a corner, and it worked out. It was great. It really he was he did a great job. So you controlled the strength of the hammer on that particular <laughs> nail. Yes. And you didn't bend it. <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, Diane. Thank thank you again for joining us, and everyone. Again, thank you for tuning in to Lead On, Lessons for Military Leaders, sponsored by the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. Hey, you can learn more about how we're building America's leaders. Go to our website at www.enlistedleadershipfoundation.org. Tune in on our future broadcast, dropping every 1st and the 15th of the month on Military Paydays. And until next time, lead on. <laughs>